Welcome to Creativity Unleashed, the podcast for creatives by creatives. Our guest today, Rico Colantoni, is a dear friend of mine, someone I've worked with and someone you've seen in such award-winning projects as Veronica Mars, Just Shoot Me, Flashpoint, Galaxy Quest, and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. A Canadian Screen Award winner for his leading role in Flashpoint, Enrico is also a star on the stage with roles in such shows as The Distance From Here, The Merry Wives of Windsor, Arabian Nights, and Fear. Toronto-born, Enrico will be making his Broadway debut in Birthday Candles with rehearsals starting up in February 2022. In this episode of Creativity Unleashed, Enrico and I discuss what it means to be a Canadian in the entertainment industry, the courageous leap that Enrico took to launch his career, and how to find the creative joy in everything. Well, here we are. Here we are. No big, no big. That comes later. (laughs) It's more of like this groovy, like, you know. Yeah. So anyways, welcome to the podcast. This is called Creativity Unleashed. And our guest today is Enrico Colantoni. How do we, and do we, we get, talking do, about? Do we have an opportunity to release our creativity or unleash our creativity? I hope so. Let's do it. It's so I, good to see you, brother. Hey, man. Uh, you know, I love you. Uh, but it's eight o'clock in the morning here. And um, Boy. not that. Not that I, you know, I just woke up or anything, but it usually takes me a little time. So we'll see what happens. See what comes out of this. What's What's your morning routine these days? I remember one time we met in the morning. You were eating veal, and then another time, you another time you were like not eating at all. And yeah, that's where I am right now. I'm, yeah, I'm, what, are you not like intermittent, intermittent fasting, fasting? But are you intermittent fasting? A little bit. I did a five day juice fast. It was amazing. That's I couldn't nice. believe. I went through like the the the, the hero's journey. I was yeah. like the whole <laughs> like by the second day, I wanted to jump out the window and nice. I was convulsing in in uh, bed. And then fantastic. by the fifth day, I felt like I was spiritually renewed. Yeah, and then, and then I, you had to go back to your old ways and just start all over again. That's why that, I think one needs to do that four times a year, just to I reground agree. and yeah. No, I try to do that, and then you know schedules change when you're working and when you're not working, right? If you got somewhere to be that throws you off, mm. um, you, you need your travel plan and you need your home plan. Um, <laughs> right. But that's why, that's why my mornings like dietary wise is just fruit. I just have fruit till about noon uh, that way, because I can always find a piece of fruit no matter where I am. I don't have to think about it. where's my veal. Right. Where's my, Where's my lamb? I mean, I only eat lamb. I only eat lamb, and medium, it has to be medium, organic. medium well. So, what are your, what are your rituals? Like, what things do you do, no matter where? Because I know you're in L.A., you're in Toronto. Uh, you know, shooting. it all starts with gratitude. It all starts with giving thanks. Mm. You know, remind myself that uh, I'm here on a mission. <laughs> right. That I am a spirit being inside a human body and inside a human experience, and Everything is good. Just a reminder of like, okay, I'm, I'm awake. I'm alive. This thing keeps waking mm. me up and bringing me to a new day. It's like, wow, okay, I'm not done yet. I got, I got to figure something out. So it does. It when, comes with, it comes with thanks. It comes with gratitude. It starts everywhere. Just yeah, every day. Every when day. did, uh, when did you figure that out? Because gratitude is 
so important? Um, what did I figure it out? I mean, you know, there's a there's a there's a thread in there from my early days as a Catholic. You know, it all started as a kid, giving thanks and stuff, and how that evolved into the New Age movement. But mm. but as I get older. It's, uh, I'm not, I don't think just because I get older, but just because I guess age brought a degree of frustration. With, I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a timeline. I'm going to say the last two years or so. Mm. The last two years of just being tired of looking at the glass half empty. Mm. You know? And it really is. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. Because you keep waiting for the environment to change. And I don't, it was confusing. You're looking at your life going, I have a good life. I, I, I love my life. Why am I so fucking miserable? Mm. If I, if I'm not working, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're working. Yeah. Everything is rainbows. Everything is like, you know, unicorns and rainbows. But the minute you stop working and you go through that two or three day period of just, oh, that felt good. I finished the job. And then your mind starts racing again, going, who am I? What am I doing here? I have mm -hmm. no purpose if I'm not working. And then everything in your life is ugly again. It's like, how did that happen? It just didn't make sense after a while. It's amazing um, how yeah. your your career, I mean, you, you pretend for a living. You play other people every yeah. single, you know, every time you're working. Yeah, I like and to how say I'm a time traveler. I'm a time traveler. And your identity is tied to that. It's like... Yeah. So when you're not working, who are you? Yeah, you know? it's true. Because I've been doing this since I was 20 years old when I left Toronto and I moved to New York. So I was either in a sponge um, place in my life, you know, as a student of, of acting and just absorbing it for the first 20 years of my 20s were all about being in school and just learning, 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 learning. And then when I was 30, I just started working really pretty much consistently with no time to think about who I was, except I'm going to work. And that continued for like 20 years, right up until the end of Flashpoint. It was just like series after series, movie, plays, just one of kids being married. It was just an all, it was just, mm. and then right around the end of Flashpoint, it was just like, oh, I'm, one, I'm tired. And two, it slowed down to the point where I, panic i started to panic and um and i've always considered myself a man of faith but i've always put it on the, the back burner you know i mean i mm. would meditate and pray and do cleanses and fast and read read uh you know just read the the mystics and 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 that always and and, and you know what Sergio? the truth is is that every time before i was going to go on stage or the cameras would roll I would always say a little prayer. I would always remind myself who I was giving it up for. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that. And it's always about, you know, a reminder of who I am and who I'm in service to. Hmm. Um, but it, it would always stop because then I'd get stuck in, oh, that was a great take. I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Or I'm on the biggest hit show in America in yeah. front of you know millions I mean? of people. It's like, and I'm making all this money. And I am so cool. And you forget, oh, shit, yeah, that had nothing to do with, with me. I mean, a part of me, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm a participant in it. But the flow of it is all around me, man. And it's all perfect, right? Mm. It's all perfect. An idea, I mean, you know, you read about um, Thomas Edison, about just 
he the guy when a guy sits on for all the things he invented and just for the guy who actually took the time to sit and meditate and acknowledge every idea he had and writing it down and know there was no bad ideas. I mean, we don't consider him an artist or anything, but he was. He was a genius artist, a creator, a real innovator, a real, but from the source, tapping from the source. I think what we do too often now is we we reflect what's happening around us. Yes. You know, too many shows, movies, everything is about, okay, this is happening in the world, which is creative in and of itself, you know? The creative energy is happening around us, but artists tend to reflect that and talk about that and judge that or tell us how to live in that. Um, but guys like Edison are just like, what does the world need? Mm. And let me start from that, from nothing. You know what I mean? What does the world need? The real, the real artists. Or Leonardo you know, da Vinci. Yeah, right. Like, he God. envisioned a helicopter <laughs> 500 years yeah. before it. You know what it's I mean? crazy. Some people say that he was time traveling too, and he literally came from the the future. But you know, we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when why about... not? You know, it's like in, in the quantum sense of things. Why? Why? Why is that an impossibility? It's true. That energy is neither created nor destroyed, right? So that energy exists and has existed and will exist. And it just, water turns into wine, water <laughs> turns into vapors. You know what I mean? It just, I don't know. Well, science is, science is catching up. No, it's not too early. When I think about how, I don't know, I guess watching William Shatner. That's going awesome to... what you said. Science is catching up to the imagination. Exactly. Science is catching is. up to... Slowly. The mind. But, yeah, but yeah, that's cool. No, I was thinking William about Shatner going, Shatner going yeah. into space and, and what, yeah. how Star Trek opened up my mind as a young kid to yeah. possibilities yeah. and how art oftentimes is prophetic and it does, uh, for some reason, you know, predict the future and, and tells us something about ourselves, but also things unimagined. And uh, could you talk about that? Because I didn't know the, I knew, you know, the spiritual side of you, but you know, we have to ask the question why Enrico Colantoni, why Oprah Winfrey, why Tom Hanks? Like there has to be a secret sauce that sets these artists apart from the rest. And you know, the fact that out of thousands of actors, you ended up on a huge TV hit show. Like how does that happen? It can't just be, Oh, Enrico's talented innately by himself and just made some right moves. There has, you know, there has to be more. Yeah. And I think it's, it's it's guaranteed. It's all guaranteed. Success is guaranteed if you're willing to sacrifice for it. It's like there's no there's no take without give, mm. right? There's no take without give, and that's just not you know. I'm, I moved away. I moved away from Toronto, and I you know defied my family paradigm, and you know walked away from a dynamic. I mean that was a big that was a big jump to walk away from my Italian background and say, I'm moving to New York and I'm being an actor. Mm. It was a revolutionary move. What was the reaction? Your parents' reaction? Like, were you at the dinner table and you're just like, I'm, I'm going to New York? Well, you mean, no, I mean, you know, I mean, it's not like they beat me, <laughs> <laughs> but there was like, you know, there's like the, they had worked my whole life to instill me with this 
shame button and this guilt button that they knew how to play really well. And so it was, there was a lot of shaming. There was a lot of fear. They tried mm-hmm. to, they did, they threw everything at me in their, in their, uh, I guess their, their arsenal of, uh, of, um, of manipulation. They had people talk to me. They remind me, what are you doing? You know, you should stay in school, all, all that stuff. But I'm grateful to them for not making it comfortable in the, in the first place. I'm grateful that I grew up in a country that um, gave me uh, 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 outside references. You know, I knew my life at home wasn't wasn't the truth because I'd go to school every day and I would see other people that weren't like me doing, Mm. you know, and I would talk to teachers that had a different perspective on things. And and I listened to them, you know. And of course, there was something inside of me that was in my DNA. My, I had to remind my dad at one point. I go, Pop, you did exactly what I'm doing now. You left exactly. Italy when you were 21 years old. You came here. You took a chance. You did it. I blame you, I said. <laughs> <laughs> in your wisdom. It's true. You know what I mean? And he, And I think that's what finally you know, shut him up. Mm. in a nice way you know it's interesting our forefathers and mothers what what they did was unthinkable like even yeah getting on a boat in the late 1800s early night you know going to new york or wherever i mean that's that takes massive courage you going to new york to pursue acting is (laughs) it's it's courageous but but the driving the driving force was the belief in you know a new principle a new way of life Mm. and to me Leaving home was about finding a voice that I didn't have growing up. Mm. It just, there was no room for it in my house to have a voice. When you got to and New so York, so there was a need inside of me that needed to find that. Huh? Mm. Say that. When you got to New York, there was obviously fear, doubt that crept in. Did you have a mentor or a group of people around you? Because proximity is everything. You know what? Who were those people, and yeah. what did they say to you to keep you there? Well, I went, I left New York to go to school. I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. So it's not like I went to New York and say, I'm going to be an actor. Right. I'm going to find an agent and I'm going to hit the pavement. It was like, no way. I didn't have the balls to do that. Um, Because I, you know, because I'm an insecure, you know, young man with very low self-esteem at the time. And I needed, I needed, I knew I knew nothing. So I wanted to learn. And it was in that environment that you build a community. And it's that community of teachers and other students that supported me and that knew that I needed to stay here and keep doing this. I really relied on the kindness of my first teacher at U of T at the University of Toronto when I took one drama elective. And it was her that just said, you know, you could do this if you want. And I go, what? <laughs> like, seriously? <laughs> really? <laughs> It's amazing. People make people make a living at this. Yeah, it didn't come from me, man. I mean, clearly it came from me, and they saw it. But uh, I mean, I didn't wake up one day in my Italian household and say, "Yeah, what? I want to be an actor." It's amazing. Yeah, it came from somewhere, man. It came from somewhere. I mean, you're in the same boat, dude. It's like, although you, you know, you, there's artistry in your family. A little bit. You come bit, from but... a create. You come from enough. 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 
Yeah, when I was in university, I hit a wall. I was there because my dad wanted me to be there. And I was supposed to go to law school and, you know. Yeah. I, second year, I had like a just, I hit a wall. Like I had debilitating yeah. panic attacks or I couldn't leave my house. Yeah. I was in pain. And then I figured it out. It's just like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. You know, and it's those, you know, when they say life happens for you, not to you, that took me 20 years to figure that out. That because of that, it led me on this other trajectory because I was running away. I was surviving, whatever it was. But, you know, it's, uh, and when I look at your career, I wonder, were you running away on, on some level? Did acting become your refuge? And you said you worked straight nonstop for 20 years. I mean, that's seems like you're, you know, you got on this treadmill, you know, and sometimes. It, yeah, you know, I became my dad is what happened. I became a working class actor. Mm. It stopped. It stopped being, you know, um, to a certain degree, it stopped being fun because it it was about being a provider and mm. being a dad and being a husband. And I needed to put food on the table, so I kept willing it to keep happening. I got to keep doing this. I got to keep doing this. I got to keep doing this. And ironically, or not coincidentally, I don't know when you know when my kids were old enough to start taking care of themselves, the work sort of stopped. So, hmm. is that is that to say that my whole subconscious mind, coming from where it grew up, and but, but my dad provided, my mom provided, they did what they had to do to pay the mortgage and put food on the table, and they busted their asses. And to a large degree, and to a very similar degree, I did the same thing. But fortunately, I was doing it with something I loved doing. Mm. But I was able to bridge the two. I never said I never set out and said I want to be a star. Well, that's you interesting. I, I want... never I never said that in my mind. I just it, it just didn't make sense. But a working actor that made complete sense. I believe that. You said something to me once. You said it's. Dude, it's not about making it. It's about a lifetime, a body of work. I'm just a working actor. And I always found that interesting because when I was growing up, I'm watching TV. I'm laying on my couch watching Just Shoot Me, and you were there. you know. So I knew your work way before I had met you. And, um, and I just thought, wow, there's a Canadian who's doing it. you know. So this idea of stardom and fame, and I always admired that about you, that you never made it about that. But I do want to ask you how did you manage things like the imposter syndrome you're living the hollywood life you're making a lot of money you're in papers you're in the magazines you you know your life is at you know on some level in the spotlight how did you manage that how did you stay grounded and not make it I about the fame because because i kept dragging my old self image along of I'm uh, I'm the son of an immigrant who needs to behave and be a good boy, mm, right? So, um, and and you know, and again, um, that's in the past. It doesn't belong in the present. You know, it really it, it, that guy doesn't belong in the present. And it only if I had kept working continuously, I wouldn't have gotten to that point. I wouldn't have understood that I am. Um, what's the word? I'm um, the reluctant artist. The, mm. the, the, I, I felt guilt for my success. 
I was carrying around this guilt for my success, for making more money than my parents, for having more attention given to me than my than my family members or my friends, or I was more successful than my friends. It's like that kept me from just, you know, going beyond that. Mm, right. Um, so it was like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't aware of who I really was. I wanted to be an actor, but who I really was and where I came from never really, I never stopped dragging him along. <laughs> right. So he, it dictated, it, it really just dictated, you know, my whole success level. I was never going to be a star. I was never going to be a household name just because I didn't feel like I could, or I was allowed to. I didn't, I felt like I'd get in trouble if I drew too much attention to myself. Mm. It's really fucked up, man. That is... <laughs> but I'm glad I'm getting it now because that, that, and that lends itself to the gratitude of like, wait a minute. I actually created exactly where I am. Yes. Unconsciously, consciously. I, this is where it's like, that's powerful stuff. Mm. And we all kind of do that unconscious or conscious. We are creating exactly what we think and feel and do. That's our life. And that is a reflection of our life. And that's, and that's how we create our lives. It's crazy. And everybody's responsible for where they are. I only figured that out you in know, 2020, the, man. And like, I'm like, somebody, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're in pandemic. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a creator, a storyteller. I literally envision something out of nothing. I see it through to the end and I can't seem to do that in my, in my life, in my personal life outside of work. It's like, why can't I be the director of my life? Like, why can't I create an empowering yeah. story? You know, create yeah. that story as close yeah. to the script as yeah. possible. There's always going to be it's variances, but like, you know, like we're sailing with no vision sometimes, like no, no destination. And yeah, it yeah. took the pandemic for me to figure that out. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? It's like, I've been, I've been in a, a support, a 12 step group for about a year now, not with any sort of substance abuse on my end, but yeah. just dealing with people. Mm -hmm. Talk about, talk about shift in identity, like recovering drug addicts or alcoholics, the ones that actually go through the steps and go through recovery. That's a shift in identity, man. It's hard. Mm. It's hard, but it's creates using the imagination of like, what if I am a healthy person? What if I can live a life of, you know, serenity and peace? It starts with the imagination, but you're dealing with years and years and years of, of, this identity. Mm, right. And, it, and, and it's true, dude. If, you were, if we were born in Italy or in or just another part of the world, we wouldn't be, you know, the Rico you know and the Sergio you know. We'd be somebody else. We wouldn't even know English possibly. <laughs> right? So it's like it's all learned. It's all learned, which means we can unlearn and learn something new. But it's hard. But we'd be having two-hour lunches. Wouldn't that be cool? And a nap. <laughs> <laughs> you love your sleep, man. I get it. I get it. Uh, naps are good. So on the on, I don't know man. on the exterior, it seems like you're in this emotional zone. Like I've only seen it with people like John Travolta and others that have learned to live in that in that emotional zone, um, which is really impressive. Because as an Italian, I'm like always going off in like these ups and down swings. <laughs> <laughs> Are there moments, were there moments in your career that you could point to where you just had to pinch yourself, like working with Tom Hanks or working on 
just shoot me or even flashpoint where you have billboards all over the city. Like you can't help, but that, I mean, that has to affect you on some level. Like, do you ever lay in bed and go, Holy shit, I just worked with my hero uh, or like there must be highs in, in that. And how, how do you contextualize that in your head? Cause some of it seems un, uh, unbelievable, right? I guess I was always looking for, um, again, it was always about the high. It was always about the high. That's all I would ever look for. It's a, it, like I was always impressed with me, you know, working with great people. Mm-hmm. George Siegel being the greatest. He was he was the goat for sure. Because I got to work with him for seven years and just knowing where he'd come from and his life and the joy and the gratitude he would bring every day, every day, the laughter, the infectious laughter that he would bring. That 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 was amazing that he held on to that, that, you know, at that time, he was like in his late 60s when I met him and I had seen him on Broadway and and he would talk about the lean years. And I go, here's here's a journeyman. Mm. He was a star in the 70s. And then he went down and those were the lean years and just shoot me sort of, you know, raised them from the ashes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And he had gratitude and love and joy for what he was doing. He was an actor to and through. And I always had, I think I've been blessed because I'd never worked with anybody but actors. So even right up when I got to work with Tom Hanks and it was about, and he still maintains the integrity of a young, a young student. He was just humble and great and did his job and was friendly and lovely. It's like, there are those people that just remind you that, you know, this is, this is just what I do. It's not, it's, it's bigger than me. Um, and I, I never, I don't think I've ever gotten to, well, that's not true, but not on a long sort of turn. But I remember certain actors that you could feel that it was about them. And it was just like, you know what? I don't like this. You sniff, I, I, see, like you, this because, I see you sniff that out. Yeah. I had the pleasure of working with you. So I, you know, you, you had no, no time for any of that, whether it comes from insecurity no. or ego, it's just, it's not, it's about the work. It's never about. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't. I don't want to be near you. I don't want, you know, when the cameras roll, we're, we're intimate. But after that, it's like, I don't, I don't know why you're doing this. And if I don't know why you're doing this, I don't trust you in my life. Mm, Right. Do you know what I mean? And then after a while, you just become tired of it because those guys are dying off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it, I don't know. It's like uh, they're dying off. Were there moments when you were living that Hollywood life, you know, celebrities and this and that and the pool and all that? Um, you've only told me a little bit about it, but were there moments where you did get lost in that the parties, the social, yeah. all that? Yeah. And I, and I, and I, and it didn't last long because, because that good boy in me said, I can't do this. I will die. Wow. I will die. Wow. It didn't last long, but about about a year and a half, two years maybe, and then I just I go, oh, fuck, I can't do this. <laughs> I'm too tired. I can't do this. I, it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting, and dodging and lying and you know it, bobbing and weaving your way out of situations right. and stupid choices and it's like uh, the people that you know I humiliated or humiliated myself. It's it. It just became an idea of what I thought 
I was there to do, and it's not. Mm. I guess that's why theater played such an important role in your life as well, right? To bring you back. Absolutely. And I, and I had teachers that reminded me that it was about the work. And, and so there were moments in those first 10 years as a student that I experienced such rapture on stage, literally leaving, like literally, literally leaving my body and watching the performance from up high. That's church. That's like a spiritual experience. Wow. Exactly. Mm. And it happened a handful of times, maybe five times, you know, in all the performances that I'd done in school and in the professional world. It's happened five times, and I've been chasing that ever since. Mm. Well, (laughs) I've been chasing that rapture ever since. And um, amazing. It just, you know, it became a job after a while. It became about. It became a job. I always wondered, how did you, like Flashpoint went on for what, like a decade? Yeah, we did, we did five, we did 75 episodes, wow. five seasons. Yeah. How? And it's still running. You think it's still on. You think it's still on. It's still running every day in, in Canada, across Canada. Wow. I love, I love the, yeah. I love so the show. Yeah, those guys will live forever. Those, those guys. It's a beautiful show. The the emotion, it's a beautiful the, show. The humanity that you bring to to the character. How when, yeah. when you're doing that many seasons, how do you just to like break it down to the micro? How how do you find inspiration every day going to work, and how do you keep it fresh? Because you know how every episode's going to mu- end. Yeah, it's muscle memory. After a while, it's like everything. You have it's a like Everything in life. This is what we're talking about. It's about repetition. Mm. It's about repetition. It's about creating a new reality. And that's why being an actor, being a filmmaker, as you are, you understand how realities change, how I can change my reality. And it's only through repetition. It's only, it's only about how much time you spend in your new world. Mm. You, you know, your last film that I saw, The Cuban, which is a beautiful film. Thank you. How much time did you spend in that world? It became, and you manifested what you've been living with. What's the expression? You know, what I hold in my mind, I hold in my hand. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But it's the time spent in your mind that manifests in in the real world. And so when you play a guy like Sergeant Parker for five seasons, like, like five years, five solid years, walking, you could walk in so sleepy at four o'clock in the morning. And the minute you put that uniform on, it was like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't know what, but there's something in me that recognizes Parker, that loves Parker, that loves mm. Team One, and let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, keep the peace. Wow, it's it's fun. the mind is a, and the same thing with a performance in the theater. Mm-hmm. Ask any actor doing a play; it just gets better and better and better and better and better, and it gets easier and easier and easier and easier. I never got that. I admire it. Like, how do you do five performances on Broadway? A week over and over and over free. Autopilot. 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 But you still have to find the joy in it, right? Or the inspiration. But it, it's waiting for you the minute you walk <laughs> on stage. It's waiting for you. It's amazing. It's amazing. It is. It's, it's awesome. I'm going to go back to New York and do a play in February for the same reason. Can I capture? Can I have one performance where I feel like I left my body and mm, I'm in right. heaven? And who who were yeah. the who were the mentors in your life? And I know there's been probably several, 
but who have been the mentors in your life that helped keep you in your lane on track? Because, you know, we all know that sometimes some days we wake up and we're off track. So who who were those people yeah. in your life? Uh, well, in my twenties were my teachers, Thelma Carter, Earl Gister. They're both gone now. Mm. Tom Crawley, he's gone mm. too, you know? And then when I started working, it was, um, believe it or not, Alan Thicke. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Uh, then it was George. What was Alan Thicke saying to you that was, like, what about? Alan Thicke, uh, when we did Hope and Gloria, that was the first real steady gig that I got after grad school, after I got out of the drama school. And, uh, he, you know what, even, even Peter Boyle, even, you know, working one day with Peter Boyle was enough for me to go, you know what? That's who I want to be, because there was one thing. Something happened when we, I was doing NYPD Blue, which was actually the first real, I call my my first great gig, that brought me to LA and sort of changed my whole life. And he's Peter Boyle. He'd been doing it for a long friggin' time, a long friggin' time. And Elodie Keene, who was directing the episode, we had done my coverage, and then we were on his coverage. She whispered, like we were still in like acting class, we go, really, really let him have it. Really let mm. him have it. And on his coverage, I really just like let him have it. And after the take, he goes, he looked at me like, you helped me in that, in my, in that, in my take. And I go, you're Peter Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> you need my help. <laughs> Why do you, and, and it's like, that was such a lesson for me. One, his humility to to acknowledge it and to give thanks for it reminded me there's a journeyman. There's a guy who loves what he does, and he needed a young actor to just remind him of that energy that he still has. Mm. He was humble enough to take me aside and say, you helped me with that. Wow. And it's like, so that's what I'd been exposed to, people like that. And Alan was no different because what Alan taught me he knew how I, I was like the intense guy you know <laughs> even on a situation comedy i wanted to bring like real like real stuff but he reminded me rico let's have fun that's amazing this is a joy this is a joy he taught me to have fun well it's yeah it's definitely not something culturally we were taught right so <laughs> no, no. I go what? <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I gotta, I gotta work hard. Suffer. You gotta, I gotta suffer. Work hard. Yeah, I do. I do what I do really well. But I got. I'm, I'm busting my ass. Here. I'm busting my ass to be funny. Yeah, here. can you be funny? <laughs> hilarious. And he's just like, he's like, look at, look at what we have. This is, this is Disneyland. It's so true. Because you know he comes from Kirkland Lake. He's a Canadian boy. His whole context and his whole life was just like, you know what. Life is here for me. He it showed in his in his performance. Life is happened. Life is happening with me, and he lived his life exactly like that. There was no there. Was, I I don't think I've ever met a happier person that just uh, Rico. <laughs> the minute he knew I was Canadian, because the first couple of days on Hope and Glory, he was just like, Muh. but then you know we sort of ended up talking. He go, yeah, I'm from Toronto. It's just like Rico, my boy. <laughs> He sort of like just opened up his cape, his big cape, and like brought me in. He goes, you know, we're going to be playing That's hockey. That's awesome. I go, Alan, I haven't played <laughs> hockey in like, you know, 20 years. He goes, doesn't matter. We're going to buy you some skates, and we're going to get you back out there. And really? That's awesome, man. 
He, oh, he totally did. He totally That's did. Awesome. Now, whenever I've spent time with you in LA or just with any, you know, people as part of our community, there's something definitely unique about Canadians uh, working in the industry. What do you think it is about it? And has that been an advantage for you or a hindrance? Well, I, I guess it were the Canadians in the 90s and the Brits in the the 2000s, you know what I mean? It, it's just, George would always talk about, you know, you look like us, but you're spies. Right. You've been looking over the wall, uh, watching right. us. You've been watching us and you've learned to imitate us better than we imitate ourselves. You know, it's, it's true. Like I grew up on American television. Yes. It was, you know, it was, it was those shows, those shows that made me not want to be an actor, but certainly introduced me to like, wow, those, I, life could be like that. Mm. My life can be like that on TV. Interesting. Mm, it's a unique <laughs> try, perspective because yeah, we did, we all grew up on American TV, American movies. It's unique. Yeah. Like when you grew up in Italy, you grew, you know, you grew up watching Italian television and some foreign, you know, American yeah. as well. But we're, we're probably one of the few countries in the world where we are indoctrinated by something that isn't us. And then we set out to make yeah, Canadian films. True. And what does that mean? I grew up watching Superman and Star Trek and Star Wars. Like, what, what is a Canadian film? Like, you know, is it even a thing? You don't know about the Canadian films outside of Canada until they get nominated for an Academy Award. And all of a sudden, they're an American or an international film. Like, what is a Canadian film? To me, it's one called Bat Cop. You know what I mean? That's... <laughs> yeah. That's the Canadian film that I remember because it had such a fast, you know, um, American feel to it. Um, oh, a film like, but a film our like film, Water. Our film that was... Like, water is not even in English. You know, it was shot in wherever, Sri Lanka, and it's as Canadian as Bone Cop, Bad Cop, you know? I don't know one. Deep I need to Meta. watch Water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, beautiful course. film, but like... Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's interesting. It is. I mean, there's a whole subcategory of like what we appreciate. It's not. I mean, now we're all competing with Marvel movies, <laughs> right? That's a movie now. That's Avengers, a movie, whatever. Right? It's just like really, really. Yeah. And now everything we want to watch, we want to watch in eight hours. We want to watch the whole story. Yep. How do you think it's changing? So like with, you saw. I mean, we all went through it—a time when we were shooting on film. And then we were shooting on digital and then VHS and DVD and, you know, iTunes and Netflix. Like where, where do you think it's going and does it change what we do? Yeah, it does. You know what? And I hate to bring up what happened with, you know, the tragedy that happened last week over here in New Mexico with um, someone dying on set and stuff. But it's hard not to think, you know, being doing what we've been doing for as long as we have, we understand, we understand protocol. We understand what a good healthy set feels like. And I think that's the trajectory where we're headed, where we're, we need to get it done now. There's no, we need to get it done now or it's not going to happen. We need to hurry up. We need to like get that last shot in before the money runs out. We need to, we need to, we need to, we need to. And it's that franticness mm. that, is happening because there are only two types of films now. There's the 
hundred million dollar movie, and then there's the million dollar movie. Everything. Those are the films. I mean, we're not talking about TV series on 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 right. streaming. You know, the the the, the binge worthy. You know, with, you know, I don't know where they're getting the money from or how those things are are necessarily run. They're like t- they're like good TV shows, but films, independent films that are just trying to keep up. It's not right. It's mm-hmm. scary because the energy that goes into making those kind of low budget films on a shoestring budget, it's not conducive to, to a healthy workplace. I mean, everything that's going on with the IATSE negotiations and, and it's like, they've got a legitimate argument. It's like, it's stopped. It's not safe anymore. Yeah. Because y'all are making these things without any consideration of this person's well-being. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's been the evolution of it. It's like, okay, we get less and less money to make what we want to make, to tell this beautiful story. We know We know it takes money, but we're trying to do it with no money at the expense of people's goodwill, and we end up taking advantage. And it's nobody's fault, but it's just the energy that is really coming up and it's rising up. If you want to make a, a, a decent film within just to make a film, it makes complete sense that things like YouTube are where people go now for their, their source of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just dudes in their basement making funny or shit TikTok or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. You know what I mean? And I think it's changing the whole spirit of, well, this is, you know, COVID had its good things as far as um, art. But, it, you know, people who think that art existed during COVID, I, I don't I don't agree with. Because art happens when people are mm. gathered together. Right. You know, when there's a, a give and take. An exchange, energy. Yeah. You know, yeah, in exchange, when you're looking at a painting up front, up and close, you know, you go into a museum and you see a, a you know, Starry Night, a Van Gogh painting, and you, you literally see, you know, uh, Vincent painting it while he's painting it. It's still so alive and mm-hmm. still so fresh. You know, when you're going to a concert and you hear a, a band play, you go to the theater, you go to a movie theater. And you're experiencing it with people, with that energy. That's when yeah. shit happens. That to me, that's 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 art. And what COVID did was that it isolated us and it separated us, and it just mm-hmm. it just keeps us separate from each other. But you know, you know, but maybe on a quantum level, we're all still connected, of course. But we're gonna have to develop mm-hmm. that skill over well, time. Yeah, we did. <laughs> We did screenings from our cars. It was different. Uh, you know, whenever we would screen yeah. a movie, every single yeah. theater, every single event or experience was unique because you would feed off the energy of whoever was in that room. You know, people laughing, people crying. Yeah. You feel yeah, that. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, yeah. What you're talking yeah. about is the magic, yeah. you know, the, all that you can technically create something yeah. on Zoom, but you're missing that the, the magic, the energy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting, though, you know, because we did have drive-ins at a time. And I'm curious. I never was a fan of them because 
being in your own car with your knucklehead friends, I never really remember the movie <laughs> I was watching. The movie, the movie becomes secondary, you know I mean? or you're, you know, you're with someone you're dating. Yeah, yeah, the movie becomes secondary, and it becomes about the beer yeah. or the, you know, you're like no one can see us right. making out, or no one can see us, you know, getting high. It's like it's not about. It's true. Movie. It's weird. Like we, we did our premiere of the Cuban at Ontario Place. And I did a red carpet for my car. And it's just weird because you put so much in, into a movie. And you want people to cry in the right places, laughing, and just you want to feel that energy. And at a drive-in, you just don't. You yeah. know, it's like we get to the end yeah. and it's like dead silent. And then a few people okay, honk over. their horns. <laughs> and then it's like, wow, did they like it? Did they hate yeah. it? Uh, it's it's yeah. different. Yeah, nothing. It's definitely no. different. No. But uh, – you know, technology will continue changing, man. Like, look at virtual cinema. I don't know if you've worked in that environment yet, but it's certainly safer. Uh, you know, you can do anything in virtual. I want to be in Times Square. Boom. They just click, and there it is, and you're there. Um, so there might be a way. Yeah. that'll. But your imagination has to be way more yeah. vibrant because you're literally playing. There's no practical anything. You're You're surrounded by hot screens and... You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they did Mandal- Mandalorian. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd take that over a green screen any day, though. I'd take that. I mean, you could literally, as an actor, you could look behind you and you'd see, mm. you'd be on, you could see what you're, where you are. It's not like a green screen where you really have to use your imagination and imagine being somewhere you're not. But the whole virtual stages now, they seem pretty cool. Yeah. If if that's the trajectory, if we're coming from green screen, then I'd rather I'd still rather be in New York, <laughs> listening to people swear at you, and yeah, you know, it's true. Yeah, you know, like really feel the streets of New York as opposed to being on a soundstage. But again, man, it's like I don't know. Am I did I become an actor to act, or did I become an actor to find something mm-hmm. greater than myself? And it feels like it feels like and I'm saying this for the first time out loud, Sergio, that the thing that I got early on, I'm not getting anymore from what I'm doing. It really has become a job that I'm very grateful for having and just keeps coming and supports me and my family. And I'm extremely grateful for it. But the thing, that identity, that thing that makes me think, oh, I, I want to go a little higher now. I need to discover mm-hmm. something new. And maybe that's the artist in me. Then maybe that's the true artist is just like, it's not this anymore. And it's not, you know, writing the perfect script or it, it's something I haven't quite identified it yet, but it's, it's coming. It does. Does it that does. make sense? It's exciting. It's exciting. Cause it sounds like you're turning a chapter. And I think some of that comes with age, right? And experience and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. And really not wanting to wait anymore. Right. Because that was my life. It's like, but that was, that was my life. And it was like, I can't go anywhere because history teaches me that every time I buy an airline ticket to go somewhere, I get a job. So keep buying airline tickets. So I'm just going to, yeah, no, but that's what I mean. And it never fails. Rosanna and I had a plan to take a trip across the country in a car. We were just going to go because we love being in the car together and, and uh, and sure enough, the weekend before, it was just like, they want you in Ottawa to do a Christmas movie. They're paying me how much? 
Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we'll reschedule it, right? We reschedule it for the next month. And I don't even finish that job. And another job comes and takes me to Montreal and then the L.A. And it's just like, this was this was at the beginning of September when all summer I'm going, uh, okay, right. nothing's going on. The minute we decide to go right, it was like, <laughs> so. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, poor it's amazing. You, I think you did tell me once yeah. that you, you still, and not only you, I've heard this several times from all many actors, regardless of what stage you are, that fear of never working again, uh, does that ever go away? Yeah. I, oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, when you hear stories that Spencer Tracy would say, I'm, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm never going to work again. Or when Jack Lemon says, you know, I don't know how I'm still working. And when George Siegel would would say, you know, an actor uh, an actor is it needs a it's like a a plant that mm. needs a pot, you know, an actor out of work is like a plant <laughs> without a pot. It's just like all all those things that you grow up with going on. <laughs> right. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I know there's I know there's magic in the letting go of it. I know if I do want to go to the next level in my career. Because I do, I would love to win an Emmy and, you know, be on a show that's like so popular that it's just like, you know, I've never experienced that. I've always been on shows that have been popular enough, but not like Friends or Seinfeld or just, you know, like Ted Lasso. It's like really popular, popular shows where it's just un indisputable. It's just like, that's an amazing show. Here's, right, a, right. here's an Emmy, you know, here's an Emmy. It's like, that would be cool. But I know I have to let go of how I think in order to get there. And there's a lot of letting go of like how I got here to get there. And it's really it is. just a mindfuck. Well, it's very but, Buddhist, right? It's I have author friends of mine. We debate this all the time. It's like, how, how do you set a goal and be like so driven and clear on your focus and goal and then let go of the outcome? Like it's it's contradictory, right? Like it's. And it's scary. I mean, the, the whole notion of faith, you have to believe it no matter what. And it's like, we're just not wired that way. It's like, we're taught you have to go out and get it. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm learning yeah. now that the more you meditate, yeah. the, the less you do, the more you actually get, which is a weird concept, but it's so true. Yeah. I think, I think it's, 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 uh, it's agreed that, you know, you can... You can have a goal, but action is what really brings it to fruition. You have to get out of bed. You have to make that phone Damn. call. You have to write that letter. You have to get on that plane and go. And, right. You know, you have to. You have to. And otherwise, it's just daydreaming. So, yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep active. You gotta stay active. But we've been taught. But you're right. We've been taught. Well, you're old now. Go play golf. Retire. You better you better get you better get those millions in the bank when you're young because you're gonna be playing golf right. when you're sixty five. It's like I oh, know I'm not. It's a curse. No I'm not. But that's what they're trying that's what they feed us. Right. There's nothing I mean, look at what they're doing in schools where they undervalue any sort of arts program. It's insane. They undervalue the imagination. It's dangerous. And the imagination is what's gotten us here. Mm. We're not living in anything that wasn't imagined before it existed. So what are they teaching mm. us? 
I think Elon Musk created his own school for his kids that fosters that critical thinking, problem solving and creativity at the highest level. And I mean, we, we both had great teachers and moments of it, but generally when I think back at school, it, it was everything but creative and they were trying to knock it out of me. They weren't encouraging it. So it's no, they didn't want it. They didn't encourage individuality. It's like, if this makes you rethink everything we've been taught and how going back to the notion that we are way more powerful than the leaders want us to think. And it's just that, you know what I mean? It's like we're, we are spirit beings. We do come from the infinite mind, a mind that is expansive and growing. It's, a, it's like we're not less, we're more, we're always mm. growing. It's like, what made me think that the minute I got out of school as an actor, I needed to stop learning how to be better at it. Or anybody who has a degree thinks, okay, I'm done now. Yeah, you, you don't arrive. <laughs> like, that's what they're teaching us. Oh, you, got, you, got your, you got your four years, now go to work and start being a good consumer. Learn how to be a good consumer. Stop learning. Work for your pension. <laughs> And I don't mean a life in academia. I don't mean a life in academia, but just I'm going to try this now. And we don't applaud those guys. We don't applaud those guys who make millions of dollars and then lose it and then make another a couple million dollars and then just like rebuild. We wonder what the fuck, where are they going to stop? When are they going to stop? <laughs> right. How about never? <laughs> How about until That's I'm interesting. dead? When I was... Not interesting. You get this. You get this. When I was growing up... It, it was weird. It's like I had, uh, you know, a boutique where I was selling Canadian fashion. I had a record company. I was singing. I was studying acting. I was filming. My dad's like, you can't do everything. Pick one thing. It's like, but why? Why do I have to pick one thing? You know, why can't I yeah. do all these things, you know? And it's... Yeah. Um, yeah. That leads me to... Uh, Final final thoughts. No, it's never the end. Always no, the beginning, that. especially with you, brother. <laughs> what what advice do you – and you get asked this all the time because, uh, you know, it just is what it is. But what advice do you have for young emerging artists starting out, whether they're actors, filmmakers? Um, you know, there's a desire out there, a hunger for, for knowledge. Like what what is – what can you pass on to the, to the young actor who says, Enrico, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this. I, you know, I have this burning desire. What's the advice you have for them? Uh, it really hasn't changed. I ask them what they're committed to. You know, if it's about stardom, then you know, God bless you, go. But understand, there's no, there, you never get, there's no brass ring. There's no brass ring. If it's making money, then make your money and save it. But if you're an actor and you're an artist, then there's no there's no finish line. There's no finish line. And if you're committed to that and not get sidetracked by, you know, the narrative, the narrative, I think the luckiest I had been was that I was working and making money before I got married the first mm -hmm. time and had kids. Because if I wasn't making money as an actor and suddenly I had a family, I would have I would have jumped ship and gotten a job and forgotten all about what I love doing, what I had set out to do. Those things, no, you know, know what you want. 
because the life of an actor, writer, musician, dancer, it is sacrifice. You do have to say it is one or the other. You can't, you can't creativity and caretaking have a difficult time spending time together. Right. You're either nurturing something and taking care of something, or you're being completely creative and in your own world, and you're not taking care of anybody but yourself. Mm. You're just and society playing. would uh, would say that you know that's one being selfish. That's selfish. You know. Yeah, they would accuse you of being selfish. Exactly. But that's what it is. Exactly. Exactly. You know. So careful who you marry. Careful. If you really want to have children, understand that that comes with its own responsibilities. And, you know, it's really the, the decision for the life. Or give it a year and then quit. You know what I mean? It's just like it depends. <laughs> yeah, give it a shot. I, you know, anybody who says, you know, what, what's your advice? Try I go, it. Just, do it. Yeah. Just, well, yeah. Of- Make a phone call. Find out where they're teaching acting. Find out who's doing plays. Just go knock on doors. Just fucking do it. Get off your ass. I think Instagram gives people a skewed view, whether you're a top athlete, a basketball player, or an actor. Instagram shows you one narrative, which is the result. But, you know, when you say go take acting classes, some young actors just look at me like, what do you mean? You know, they... You know what I mean? I guess actors make it look easy. You know, they they just don't understand that there's it's like brain surgery. <laughs> I just want to try brain surgery today. I'm just going to do it, you know, without any training. Oh my um, god. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I want to be the CEO of a big film company. <laughs> oh, okay. Here, pick up this cable. Take that over there. Right. You're like what? Exactly. It's like everybody needs to watch The Karate Kid over again. I love that movie. Everybody needs a Miyagi in their lives. Go wax the yeah. car. Go 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 paint my go paint go paint my fence. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> like what? But I want to be a brilliant. black belt right now. Yeah, we met the writer of of Karate Kid, and it was interesting. Yeah, man. Somebody asked, uh, you know, did you know about karate and uh, you know Japanese? Kar- no, no, <laughs> nothing zero. And no. he 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 writes the the nothing. quintessential book. karate movie. Yeah, I read a book on uh, on uh, Japanese karate. Amazing. Amazing! It's so good to see you, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Thanks for doing this, and yeah. you always inspire and you'll me. You'll cut it down to a reasonable a reasonable size. <laughs> yeah. There is no reasonable. We're here dropping gems, and you know, trying to inspire the next yeah. generation to go get a real job. Nice. Well, thank yeah, you, man. It's good. It just feels like any other conversation we've had. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Always inspiring. I always learn something from you, so thank you. You know what, dude? I'm 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 glad you're doing this because it's a it's a reflection of who you are. Thank you, man. And you're not, and you don't stop. You don't stop, Sergio. You're always being creative and just learning, man. That's the thing. Learning and expressing. Bless you, brother. Bless you. Thank you, man. 